Nehemiah seems like probably one of the most boring books of the Bible, but if, if you read it um, thoroughly, um, you'll see there is there's a lot of gospel in this, um, and um, so I encourage you to follow along, um, whether you're, you're reading or, or listening. I use an audio Bible um, quite often, because um, I'm not a very good reader, but, but really want to encourage you to, to look at um, the book of Nehemiah as we are, are going through, and, and some of you would have gotten these in your messenger, um, so yeah, if you want to take those home and, and use them as well. Um, but Nehemiah 4, I'm going to read first, and, and I'm going to go through this, this chapter, so I'm not going to read the whole um, chapter at once. Uh, we're going to go little by little, but um, I want to read from Nehemiah 4, 1 to 9. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates, the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox, cli- uh, fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuild the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat... Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the people of Ashad heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem, to stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Rise up and build. This was the momentum that Nehemiah had built with the, with the people of Israel. Their, their world was broken. Their, their walls were broken down. Things around them were broken. And again, Nehemiah said, rise up and build. This is one of the most important texts in, in all of this book because all of it reflects back on that notion. Rise up and build. So we have this momentum going. And, and in the last chapter, there was an excitement that we read about. All the people were helping. And, and, and one of the things that we see through that, and we, we saw this in, in chapter 2, they did this not because of Nehemiah. They did this not because they were able to do this. They did this because of God's working in them, it was, it was Nehemiah that said, hey, look, God is going to make this happen. God is going to prosper us. We spent the whole last chapter talking about who was doing what. And everybody was doing, everybody was building. And as it says here, they were working with all of their heart. Well, except for the nobles of Tekoa, 
We talked about that last, last week. They weren't working so much. But everybody else was. And not just builders whom you'd think would be doing the job. There was jewelers and, and perfumers and, and, and priests and students. And, and in the last chapter, there was not even a mention of Nehemiah. But all the people had come together and, and they had worked with their whole heart and they were excited about rebuilding. But see, the interesting thing about the book of Nehemiah is that it's not about Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is not about Nehemiah. I've I, I got to interject here. I've got a dad joke that I have to say here. Do you know who the shortest man in the Bible was? Nehemiah, right? Oh, no, that's, that's wrong. It's actually Tim on the shoe height. <laughs> okay, sorry. I had to do that. <laughs> But back to my point. Nehemiah is not about Nehemiah. It's about God's work through the people of Jerusalem. It's about God's working through them. Remember, again, Nehemiah said, God will make us prosper. Nehemiah didn't say, hey, I'm a really awesome guy. I'm going to make this happen. No, he said, God will make us prosper. And so as you're reading Nehemiah, look for God's work, God's grace, God's movement. While there's a lot of application in this, ultimately, we aren't Nehemiah. We are the broken down walls. You get that? We, we, we need a savior to rebuild us. And this is pointing us forward, not to ourselves, but to Christ. That's what Nehemiah is pointing to. However, that doesn't negate the application for our lives as followers of Jesus that we find in here. But as we read this, look for God's work, God's move, God's grace. So we get this momentum. And, and God has worked that in, in the people. And they're excited. And they start to build. They rise up and build. And then everything stops. We'll talk about that later. But the excitement and the momentum that they have comes to an abrupt end. Why? Well, Sanballat and his friends. Let me explain Sanballat. He's the instigator of all of this. So Israel, remember, had been divided into two. There's a northern kingdom and there's Judea. Both maintain some kind of following of God, but both also disobeyed God by worshiping idols and not seeking justice. And because of that, both were exiled. But the northern kingdom, they continued in their idol worship until they become completely separate from, from Israel, and they become the nation of Samaria. So this is why in Jesus' time, the Samaritans and the Judeans hated each other. It's why the story of the good Samaritan and the woman at the well had so much significance. Sanballat was a Samarian, and the Samarians worship openly other gods. Um, but uh, his name is what's important here. San, Sanbalat means sin, which is one of their gods. Sin gives life, or shin gives life. This, this, this other god, this idol. Let me get this across without losing you. Sanbalat means sin will save, or sin will give life. You all know the, the meaning of Jesus' name. 
right? Yeshua means God will save. Sanballat is, is literally an antichrist. His very name is a blasphemy against God. There is no other name by, by which we are saved. There is no one else who gives life. So Sanballat is, is an antichrist seeking to shut down the efforts to rebuild and restore. And how does he do that? He starts with mocking through mocking and intimidating, gossip and, and falsehood. And, and so first they, they mock them. You know, even a, even a fox could jump over that wall and, and destroy it, right? Then when they actually uh, accomplish something, when the, when the Israelites actually accomplish something, uh, Sanballat and his friends, they started to plot against them. Not to end it, right? Not to get the king to change their mind about helping them. No, they, they plotted to bring trouble against them and and is isn't this the difference between a follower of god and and, and those who are anti-christ like like sanballat you know a christian doesn't avoid the topic of sin we don't say that but we don't discuss sin to leave people in sin we discuss sin to rebuild them up we don't discuss brokenness so that things can stay broken or to condemn somebody we discuss brokenness so that they, they can be built up to see conviction, to see a need for change. Sanballat, he didn't want to see those walls rebuilt, but he loved talking about how they were broken. He wanted Jerusalem to wallow in their brokenness. He wanted to point out their brokenness to everybody else with no move towards redemption, no growth, no help, no grace. No grace was going to be offered. Which is interesting, given that Sambalot, their, their nation, Samaria, was in the same boat as Judea for the same reasons. And yet Sambalot had no grace, and so he plotted. You know, there's a, there's a saying out there that the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. How true can that be often? I know because I've, I've, I've been sucked into it at times as well. But that's the worldly way of doing things. When something goes against us, when, when we're challenged, when we're offended, then we begin the plotting and the gossiping and the mocking. Sanballat, he was a gossip. You know, he went to all the other leaders around him and he said, oh, you know, those Israelites... Oh, what are they doing? A fox can jump over their fences. Let's cause them trouble. He was a slanderer, a liar, because he was an antichrist from the beginning. You know that that, that slander and, and gossip is mentioned 133 times in the Bible, depending on which version you use. Adultery, 58 times. There's no hierarchy of sin, by the way, but... But it's clear that, that this is a, a, a really damaging sin. And, and Sanballat was using this, trying to stir up all the other nations around Israel and, and, and get them to, to cause trouble for them. But what really stops them is the morale, is the, 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 the questioning of themselves, of, 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 of their God, of, of what they're doing because of all of this. 
Let's get into that. Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is given out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild this wall. Also, our enemies, before they know it or or see us, we will be right there among them, and they will kill them and put an end to our work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and their spears and their bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. So how did they respond to this? How did they respond to the mocking and the negativity? Well, at first it worked. The mocking worked. So what happened? The, the mocking and, and the plotting and the, and the gossip, it worked. The strength of the laborers was giving out. I mean, especially because their, their enemies were making these empty threats. Like, when you work, we're going to be right there and kill you. We're going to put an end to your work. And they were afraid. And their strength was giving out. Verse 12, they, they, it says, they came and, and told us, right? So, so even the, the fear um, of what they were going to do had started to spread throughout the whole community. And, and this is a problem for Israel all along. They, 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 they over and over have this same fear. And this fear leads them to turn away from God. We see this even early on when, when they were in the desert, right? They had this fear. Moses was gone for a really long time and, and they had this fear that he was going to leave them and, and so they made their own God, a golden calf. God was, was sending them into Israel, into the promised land. And, and they were struck with fear. They even made up stories about these giants that were roaming around. And, and they came back and said, no, no, we can't go in there. It's too scary. Because they had fear. And it caused them to disobey God. And they started here to lose that momentum. But what is the solution? Because they didn't lose the momentum altogether. And I want to end with this. What is the solution? You could look at this and say that that stationing guards all around, that was the solution. That made people feel more comfortable, right? They they had guards with with swords and and weapons. They were going to keep the enemies out. But no, that's not the solution. Over and over again, we hear this phrase in Scripture. Remember the Lord and do not be afraid. The solution to the fear and to all the evil plotting that they were facing was to remember the Lord. It was what God called the Israelites to do when they entered into the promised land in Deuteronomy. Remember, we, we used that at, at dedications. You know, remember everything that the Lord has done and teach them to your children and their children's children. This is what they were called to do. Why? Because when we remember the Lord, when we remember what He has done, we remember that He is stronger than any enemy that we can face. We remember that that He is gracious. 
We remember that, that He forgives our sins, but we also remember that He changes us, strengthens us, builds us. That, that's why we read Scripture. <clears throat> that's why we, we listen to the Word. Because over and over, it's the story of God and, and His mighty work. And David says it all the time in his Psalms. And he talks about the reason for praising God is because of His mighty works. We remember the Lord. And even today, when we worship, we, we gather around the table. Why? To remember what God has done for us on the cross through His Son Jesus. To remember in all those times that we get stuck in our sin, that we, we get stuck in, in hopelessness, that He's given us eternal life, not by ourselves, but by His grace. You know what the greatest thing about remembering that is? If we truly remember that, We remember that He held on to us while we were still sinners. He gave us entrance into eternal life while we were still sinners. If it was up to us to do that for ourselves, we'd, we'd fail. If it was up to us to, to hang on to Him, he, he says He holds us in His hand and nothing will ever take us out of His hand. If it was up to us to hold on to Him, we'd fail. But it's not that way. He's holding on to us. And when we read all of Scripture, we realize that He is so strong that He's not going to ever let us go. That's what remembering the Lord does for us through all of our trials through everything that we're going through we see what he has done we see what he's done in our own life we see what he's done in scripture and we know that he is stronger we know that he is mightier and we know that it is he who gives life and so this is what nehemiah was calling the israelites to do not to look at the danger around them. Not to look at the broken walls anymore. We already passed that. We looked at the broken walls. We realized they were broken. Rise up and rebuild. Okay, we're, we're, we're beyond that. Now what? Because they're looking at the rubble and they're saying, this, this is too much. Now he's saying, no, don't look at the rubble. Look to, look to the one who truly rebuilds. Look to God. Don't look at the enemies. Look to God. And he's saying, remember the Lord. And all our reading in Scripture, all our, our devotional times, that's what it's for. To look to the Lord so that we can trust in Him and see that He is worthy of our trust. He is stronger than anything we are facing. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy to be shared, to be made known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are stronger than any foe that we could ever face. Father, our greatest foe, our, our, our greatest enemy is death. The enemy that, 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 that comes to us because of our own sin. And yet, You've conquered it for us by your grace, 
by your might, by your sovereignty, by your power. Help us to remember you. When those moments feel like everybody's plotting against us, in those moments where it seems like the walls around us have all crumbled, it's not us that rebuild, it's you. You give us the strength to keep going. Father, remind us of that. Remind us of yourself. As you said, you've given us your Holy Spirit to, so that we could remember everything that you've taught us. Continue to remind us. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.